Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. It is Friday, and we're glad you're with us on the Three Martini Lunch. All the debates are in the books, and we have good, bad, and crazy martinis as we look back at the second and final Trump-Biden debate held at Belmont uh, University in Nashville on Thursday night. And let's, Jim, just go to a very general good martini. I think most people agree that this was a much better debate uh, than the first one. Uh, both candidates behaved themselves better. We got to hear from uh, both of them. Um, Kristen Welker did not make it about herself. I thought she could have been a little more even-handed on uh, when she interrupted candidates to move on. But uh, in the end, I think she was probably the best of, the, certainly better than Chris Wallace, but perhaps the best of all three moderators. Uh, and uh, as we suggested after the first debate, if you let Joe Biden talk the whole time that he has his two minutes, He's going to get tired, and we saw that towards the end, and uh, I'm not sure how much of a difference it'll make, but uh, it was definitely noticeable last night. Yeah, you know, look, the the first debate with all of the shouting, all the crosstalk, when you hear Trump Biden, you know, when it gets like that, nothing gets through. And if you are Donald Trump, you have messages you want to get through. And if you're Biden, you have messages you want to get through. But also, if you're Trump, Biden, given the chance to speak for a full two minutes, will sooner or later make some mistakes. He will start to say things he doesn't want to say. Uh, he, I also, by the way, the, the theory for, from a whole bunch of Trump folks was uh, Biden's too old, Biden's going senile, Biden is, is deteriorating before our eyes, and all we have to do is put him up on stage and he's going he's gonna to melt under those lights. That didn't really, certainly didn't happen in the first debate, in part because you know, there was so much noisy back and forth that, that Biden was never speaking for very long. There's never enough time, spotlight on Biden for him to wither in the spotlight. Um, but I think towards the end of the night, you did start seeing that from Biden. He, he's, his, wor- he's, his words got more jumbled. Um, he just seemed to be a little more tired. And that's when he had his infamous comment about oil we're going to talk about in a second. So, you know, in a way, that was accurate. But you needed to give, you know, Biden, it's only going to come after like, you know, 70 minutes, 80 minutes of debating up on there on that stage which makes two decisions by Trump, even you know, in the past couple of weeks, really frustrating. Does the attitude he took in that first debate of constantly hectoring and heckling and interrupting Biden, and then the refusal to do the virtual debate, because you get the feeling, you know, talking for 90 minutes, that same sense of Biden, the, the short circuits, you know, the sense that he's not quite at the top of his game, probably would have come out in that second debate as well. Jim, I noticed when uh, people uh, in debates say things that the other candidate wishes they hadn't said, uh, even though it's true, they either smile or shake their heads. And I think, you know, we could use that in just general conversation. You know, someone could come up to me and say, you know, the Bears actually haven't won a Super Bowl since January of 1986. And I could just laugh and go, oh, man, <laughs> the things this guy the says. Disapproving head shake. You know? <laughs> yes. Doesn't mean it's not entirely true. Just means I really wish you hadn't brought that up. All right, let's get on to our bad martini now. And this is perhaps actually good for the Trump campaign. Uh, Joe Biden has a problem with the truth, Jim. I don't know if you've noticed this over the years, but uh, it's kind of what derailed his 1988 campaign about his own personal life. Uh, Last night, his Whoppers were on full display, and we've got the audio evidence here. Uh, First of all, he once again said he never, ever said he wanted to ban fracking. Uh, It's pretty obvious from the primary campaign that Joe Biden did, in fact, say he wanted to get rid of fracking. 
Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those, either any fossil fuel. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But just minutes after saying that he didn't want to ban fracking, Trump somehow got Joe Biden to admit that he wants to transition away from the oil industry, which would include a lot of fracking. Uh, so here's how that exchange went. No would he close it down falls, the oil industry? Would you close it down falls. the oil industry? By the way, I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. That is a big statement That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. Here's the deal. But That's you can't a big do statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas, excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically what he's saying question. is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that, Texas? Will you okay. remember that, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? I think my favorite part of that one, Jim, was when Kristen Welker said, uh, why would you do that uh, to Joe Biden about uh, why would you transition away from the oil industry? And most uh, Democratic strategists were playing, yeah, Joe, why would you do that at this point in the debate? But he also claimed that people always show up for their court dates after uh, catch and release on the uh, illegal immigration front on the border. Uh, when it came up to uh, Hunter Biden, I thought uh, Trump could have been more clear on what was actually going on with that story. But uh, Biden just went uh, full Pinocchio on that with this explanation of the story. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody's hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue Excuse of race. Me. We're Take talking about the, the issue. From hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. President Trump, you've I have just... to respond to that. Please. Because look, Very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly be. what, is this that's where exactly you're what This is told. where he's going. The laptop that, right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President? again with Russia. And of course, we know that's not true because DNI John Ratcliffe just said this the other day. Let me be clear. The intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. And we have shared no intelligence with Chairman Schiff or any other member of Congress that Hunter Biden's laptop is part of some Russian disinformation campaign. And perhaps the biggest whopper of the night, Jim, because it was literally PolitiFact's lie of the year back in 2013. Uh, Joe Biden saying not only would no one lose their private insurance if he gets the public option, 
But no one lost it even when Obamacare came in. Here's how he said that. Thirdly, the idea that I want to eliminate private insurance, the reason why I had such a fight for with 20 candidates for the nomination was I support private insurance. That's why I didn't, not one single person with private insurance would lose their insurance under my plan, nor did they under Obamacare. They did not lose their insurance unless they chose they wanted to go to something else. All right, Jim. So there's your lineup. There were others that other folks found during the night, but uh, we have a limited time on this podcast. I mean, Biden was just brazen out there saying things that anybody who's been paying attention uh, remotely over the past uh, couple of decades knows simply wasn't true. So what do you make of the lies and what do you think the toll, if any, is going to be? Yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack here. But one of the things that jumps to mind is that some of this you're speaking off the cuff and your words come out imprecise, right? And, and so you, uh, you speak metaphorically or you say something that's not quite, that's a little too broad or, or isn't, doesn't quite match what you said earlier. This really wasn't in that category. One of the things I kind of notice is, you know, Biden has been insisting uh, that he would not ban fracking. Now, you can go back to past debates, usually in response to something said by Bernie Sanders, where Sanders will say things like, we need to, you know, uh, uh, we need to ban fracking. And Biden will say things like, no more, no new fracking. Or Sanders would say, I'm talking about stopping fracking as soon as we possibly can. And Biden says, so am I. Now, maybe in today's morning, Joel, I try to lay out, this has happened easily good five or six times over the course of this campaign. And sometimes it's Bernie Sanders. Sometimes it's in response to a environmental protester who's yelling at him. Sometimes it's a Q&A during a town hall. Biden gets a decent number of environmentalists who come up and say, hey, why aren't you trying to get rid of fossil fuels? And then Joe Biden will say, hey, I'm like you. I want to end fossil fuels. I want to get rid of fossil fuels. I want to phase out fossil fuel production. I want to ban fossil fuel exports. And then, you know, and, and my thinking is that there's like this panic in, in Biden's mind. He wants this environmental protest to, to like him. He, he wants the Bernie supporters to like him. He wants them to, no, no, we're on the same side. I want the same things you do. So then when, you know, Donald Trump or some other critic comes along and says, Joe Biden called for getting rid of fossil fuels, he'll say, no, 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 I never said that. Well, actually, yes, you did. And it's on video. Um, that's what's going on with the fracking one. On the oil one, this is even more significant because, look, Trump is not putting it with any you know, nuance. He says, you know, would you close down the oil industry, right? He's not saying, would you reduce subsidies? By the way, Biden keeps referring to subsidies. What he means is there are provisions of the tax code that are designed to help increase domestic energy production. Oil companies are indeed some of the beneficiaries of that. Going back to the mid-2000s, when we recognized that we were heavily dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia and Venezuela and all these other hostile states, for oil imports. We're like, wait a minute, this is a really bad circumstance. We want to do more domestic oil production so that we are not uh, constantly under the thumb of these countries, right? If you're even older, you remember the, the oil embargo of the 1970s. So we took efforts in this country to increase domestic production. The fracking revolution is probably the biggest and most consequential example of this. But we did various things in the tax code to make it easier for oil companies to drill here. Joe Biden thinks that's bad. He thinks we don't want to have that anymore. And here's the, you can have that position, but own it, right? Recognize you're not going to win the state of Texas if that's your position. You're probably, there's a good chance you may not win the state of Pennsylvania if that's your position. And Biden keeps wanting to have it both ways. And that's really kind of infuriating. And with Biden, we genuinely, Greg, I don't know about you, I cannot tell if he is lying or he has genuinely forgotten the previous statements he has made on the subject. That's definitely possible. Uh, what's the significance you think on the Obamacare lie? 
uh, that you know that one also again it's into it did feel a little bit like um i don't want to say well besides the obvious joke about old timers night um <laughs> that, that this was almost the re- replaying the the obamacare greatest hits uh, arguments we've had look this was the politifact fight lie of the year right politifact is not in the business of trying to make barack obama look bad uh, Obama himself eventually had to concede this, right? You really can't put together any major healthcare reform law that is not going to make some sort of changes in which health insurance companies say, oh, either we can't offer that, you know, under this new law, we can't offer that plan anymore because it violates the plan. Or alternately, we can offer that plan, but we would make no money on it and we'd be lose a lot of money on it. Thus, we're no longer going to offer that plan. There's almost no way to create any healthcare plan that does not spur some health insurance company somewhere to say, we're not going to offer that plan anymore. So it'd be nice if people could be realistic about it. But Joe Biden is manages to be unrealistic in two directions. He's unrealistic in the future, assuring you that you're, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. And he's unrealistic in the past, insisting that, you know, after Obamacare passed, if you liked your plan, you could keep your plan. When in fact, there are thousands upon thousands of people who say, no, in fact, my plan was canceled after Obamacare was enacted. Well, you got to think part of a Joe Biden's strategy was to uh, limit damage in the moment and expect the media to carry his water for him. But even CNN uh, called him out on the on the fracking uh, position that has obviously changed since the primary season. And a lot of folks are obviously noticing what he said about the oil industry to the point where he actually uh, had to scramble and the campaign put out a statement that he was talking about the subsidies, which still uh, factors in greatly. Uh, I think it's uh not appreciated enough that we are energy independent at this point. That is a big, big change from a decade plus ago. Hey guys, it's Mock and Daisy from the Chicks on the Right, and we're excited to tell you about our podcast, the Mock and Daisy Common Sense Cast. If you've been stressed lately with the information overload on social media or just don't feel like anything in the news makes sense anymore, don't worry, because we're here to clear things up. Every week, we discuss topics like cancel culture, national crisis, what's happening to our new generations. And if you're just plain tired of people trying to tell you what to do or how to live your life, we tackle that too. Find out more by going to our website, chicksontheright.com, or start listening on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or your favorite favorite podcast app. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and subscribe. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And uh, this was not Joe Biden, but this is a lot of folks on the left on Twitter and beyond. They were talking about immigration. The question from Welker to Trump was, you know, there's uh, a few hundred kids that you haven't been able to match up with their parents that were separated at the border. What are you doing about that? Isn't that horrible? And Trump uh, mentioned the fact that a lot of those kids weren't actually brought by their parents. They were brought by coyotes, who are smugglers, who are paid to bring kids across. And sometimes they're the ticket across to do uh, other nefarious things like human trafficking, which which is what they're doing anyway with these kids, but also uh, sex trafficking, uh, drug cartels, that sort of thing. And so Biden claimed that, first of all, that they show up for their court dates, but he also said that they were just coming across with their parents. But people on Twitter, uh, a lot of blue checks, not necessarily in the media, because I think they actually know better, uh, talking about how they thought Trump meant literal coyotes. And that's not just the term for the people who smuggle people across the border. David Hogg, the gun control uh, activist from Parkland High School, Quote, imagine calling the immigrant parents that bring their children to the United States for a better life, coyotes. The level of xenophobia is sickening. And you think, oh, okay, well, he's either late teens, early 20s at this point. He just doesn't know any better. Darshan Kendrick, state legislator in Georgia. Did that real Donald Trump just say 545 kids they can't find their parents for came over through cartels and coyotes? 
how the hell does a coyote bring a whole human across the border? Lord, stop talking. And other people had gifts of Wiley E. Coyote from the Roadrunner cartoon. So, uh, Jim, uh, a lot of comments in reply to that about the quality of public education these days. What do you make of it? So, Greg, first I'm going to ask a genuine question that will perhaps expose a little bit of my own ignorance. If we pronounce it coyotes as opposed to coyotes, honest to goodness, does that make change the meaning of the word? No, I think it's just the, right? the, the I, Spanish accent on it. You know. Spelled the same way? Okay, just checking on that. You know, this, I was wondering whether this is some sort of like weird Midwestern thing you were doing or something. <laughs> Here over in New Jersey, they're coyotes. But anyway... Um, <laughs> I just did a corner post on this. So first of all, yeah, it was more than a few people on Twitter, a lot of blue check marks. As you know, some of these are like our actresses. Uh, these are not necessarily people who follow these issues. And all right, okay, fine. Maybe you don't follow the immigration issue and thus you don't understand that, you know, the term is being referred to human smugglers, human traffickers. Um, but then this is not a word that is rare on the border and it's really not that rare for anybody who follows the issue. I decided to die. I decided to look, what was the first reference to coyotes I could find? I don't know if I could find the definitive first reference, but there was a New York times article, May 21st, 1973, uh, before I was born, that made a reference to coyotes, a Spanish term applied to Mexicans hired to find countrymen willing to pay to get to the United States. Then I looked through the entire archives and I found in the New York times alone, 360 articles that use the term coyote and immigration. And I don't think they were talking about Wiley uh, Coyote moving to a new country or something. Like that. So <laughs> yeah, fairly, this, this is not really that obscure a word. And so my suspicion, I mean like, okay, so there are a lot of people who don't know this. I, I thought back to, you know, Mitt Romney and the binders full of women comment. And in that one, if you may remember, you know, he says, you know, Romney said, Quote, I went to a number of women's groups and said, can you help us find folks? And they brought us whole binders full of women. Well, you'd have to be an idiot to believe that, you know, going over down all, the kind of binders you find at Office Depot, women had been forced into them and that these women's groups brought them by the truckload. Wait, you know, come on, that's really, absolutely ridiculous. But the a good portion of Democrats who should know better or allegedly claim to know better really seemed to act like it involved binding women in some sort of, you know, oppressive way, instead of referring to binders full of women's resumes. It was just when they had a narrative of, you know, Mitt Romney is this terrible sexist guy, and therefore what he said has to be terrible and sexist, even if it's utterly innocuous and it requires some sort of like deliberate misinterpretation to believe that he's talking about something sinister here. In the case of Trump, you know, the term coyotes is not, you know, he's not talking about anthropomorphic canines coming and grabbing <laughs> children and bringing them across the border. And you'd kind of have to be an idiot to believe that. And all of these people, you know, kind of self-revealed themselves. They really did believe that the president was talking about animals. And it also demonstrates they don't really know that much about the immigration issue. Now, you can, you know, support amnesty. You can support path to citizenship, you can support whatever the heck you want, but you probably, the more you're going to tell other people what the right policy is, you probably ought to dig into it. You probably ought to study it. You probably ought to see not just how it would affect you living as an actress in Hollywood or something like that, but how it affects border communities, how it affects employers, how it affects people who have to compete for jobs with illegal immigrants and things like that. Um, so again, this is a case in which people really didn't know that much. And because they heard a word they didn't know, they just assumed that Donald Trump had to be the stupid one. Guess what, folks? In this particular set of circumstances, Donald Trump was not the stupid one. 
Uh, it is Coyotes uh, in Michigan where I come from, Jim. I fell victim to the media tendency to overemphasize Spanish pronunciations, although George W. Bush did it a lot when he was president. He always called it Coyotes. Uh, and then uh, it, it reminds me of uh, coverage of the Elian Gonzalez story where the reporter would speak, you know, absolutely crystal clear broadcaster English. And then they'd say, um, so we have yet to learn the fate of young Elian Gonzalez. Uh, yes. And so because they're just trying to make themselves, you know, more in tune to the culture or something. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. You know, there's a there's a very funny Saturday Live sketch involving Jimmy Smith, you know, as the guest host. It's late 1980s, I want to say. And he joins this newsroom as the new Latino hire. And every single correspondent around him uh, <laughs> is using a, a heavily, you know, a heavy accent, whatever they refer to any word with Spanish roots. Um, and it even gets down to the lunch order. Hey, you know, we're thinking of getting enchiladas. Would you like to have any? He's like, sure, I'll have some enchiladas. Some what? I'll have some enchiladas. I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. And he, Jimmy Smith sighs and he says, yes, I would like some enchiladas. You know, and then the person understands them. So, look, pronounce it however any word you want. But if the idea, it's interesting the thought that if, if Trump had said coyotes, whether people would have said, oh, he means people smugglers instead of thinking animals, you know. Boy, that's a Saturday Night Live era where it was, you know. Oh, that, that sketch, by the way, will never be rebroadcast. Ever. I guess not. I'm sure they burned the negatives on that one. <laughs> and they would certainly never dream of uh, doing anything similar to that these days. So, Jim, the debate season is over. We have one more Friday after this before the election. We can do this. We can get there. Have a good weekend. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Remember to subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We would be very grateful for a five-star rating and a kind review. Remember, you can also get us on your home device, Alexa, Google Home, whatever. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a great weekend, and please join us Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch.